We've passed on all we know. A thousand generations live in you now. But this is your fight. Spice is life, Andrew. One thing we'll, we have never explained yet in Star Wars is what spice is. Well, no, they... Well, they, they could have... literally be mining spices. I yes. mean, like, food spices. Yes. There could be something awesome that's like space cumin that they're just digging out of the hills. I don't think George Lucas thought it through because he was just desperately ripping off Frank Herbert. Fine with me. <laughs> all right well with that start welcome to the wages of cinema we're back uh we have our full crew you the voice you were just hearing was andrew welcome back andrew the incomparable andrew there's nothing you could compare me to no the incomparable the incon inconquerable incomprehensible incomprehensible <laughs> uh like this movie no i'm kidding um and also with us is of course guest star matt death star matt to you oh yeah, yeah the return of death We're star matt death star matt <laughs> oh yeah that's right we got death star matt a, i knew there was a reason we kept you around and over in the corner is just what? like star wars keeps bringing back the death star <laughs> in one <laughs> we keep bringing back death star matt well now it should be like matt killer base <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> it's the new trilogy and also wifely do is cory over in there in the corner hello yes um so uh, you I should have cory cory said uh, audience listening at home cory said she wasn't going to say much in this review so i i suggest that that jack for future interviews you just say that cory's wherever you want her to be and you just like Hit like a button. That sound effect. Hello. Comes on. <laughs> That's all you have. Cor to do. Corey is actually on the ceiling. That's where she is right now. Hello. What a feeling. <laughs> Star Wars on the ceiling. I'm gonna be the Babu Frick of this podcast episode. Oh yes. Hello. We will get to Babu Frick. Um. So we're talking about Star Wars Episode Nine. I never thought I'd see the day. Yeah, I mean, well, when I was, I, I never thought there was a part, the one time I never thought I'd see episode seven. Yeah, exactly. And now we're, we're here. Episode, episode nine, nine, the rise of Skywalker. Yeah. We just got out of a showing of it. It's yeah. late at night. We're it, here to tell you everything we know. It's very fresh in our minds. And I, is there like, is there a way we can even talk about this without getting into spoilers? Because I feel like there's just so much that happens in this movie. Probably too much that happens, but that will get to some of that in a second. But well, let's I talk mean, about what's going on right now. It's yeah. after Last Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> in, a, in a sudden twist, they put it before Last Jedi. <laughs> Us. That would have been some J.J. Abrams stuff going right. on, right? But Ray is training and doing stuff like a Jedi, and then all of a sudden, 
Emperor Palpatine comes out of nowhere and basically says, hey, everybody, I'm back. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's trying to get Kylo Ren to work for him. And we got to figure out what all this business is about. And yeah. there's a fetch quest. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is filled with quests for stuff. This is like, this is full of MacGuffins and, you know, you're following the, our, our plucky group of characters, at least in the first half, trying to find this object, which then leads them into another planet. And then there are at times there are hyper jumping. Is that what it's called? Lightspeed jumping. Lightspeed jumping. They only do that once. They only, I get, yeah, they only do that once, but it was, it kind of stood out. Um, and... They throw in a bunch of new characters that barely get any development and just distract from the already existing characters that we don't know that well enough. Yes! Yeah. Oh, God, they do. Yeah. So where to start Where to start with this movie? It's... This, it's a very busy movie. This is a... sad. It's it's very busy, and it's very, like, in a rush to tell you, like, if you were to have, like, a kid... Like try to tell you a story, like a story of a movie. You know, like if a kid was telling you the story of Last Jedi, I feel like that story. You know, say what you want about that story, but the kid would be able to tell it to you fairly straightforwardly. You know, be able to tell you, okay, so now this is happening here, and this is happening here. Um, and meanwhile, this is going on. You know, there's that saying with storytelling. Meanwhile, at the farm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This movie doesn't really have that. This is like, and then they go to this, and then they do this, and then they had to go to this planet, it and then this person little, comes up. It suffers a little bit from Rogue One syndrome. Mm, where, how so? Uh, jumping from place to place, in in kind of a in in a in a way that's meant to imply a fast pace and building action. Yes. But really, they're just changing the scenery to play out their scene somewhere else. And, yeah, and uh, it's not that bad a, a thing, but after a while, you begin to think, how many places have we it, been to, it, and was it really necessary to do all of those it, things? It just feels paced really straight, like too quickly, and then finally, it does give you know, it does get to a very significant set piece about midway through mm-hmm. that really you know is a is a highlight of the movie. You know, emotionally and, you know, for the stakes of uh, both Ray and Kylo. Yeah. But, um, and then, but after that, it does, it, like, it still then suddenly picks up and becomes fast again in a different way, even though it's now then hurtling towards its climax. And it, there, there are things in this movie that, yeah, as you said, Matt, there are too many new characters, and that also then sacrifices development or just anything for our our already established characters and then ultimately catharsis without spoiling too much they try to make something significant for some characters near the end or in the climax that just doesn't feel earned and a problem also besides that where we're going with the the fact that kids can't really tell you the story straight that feeds into that situation yeah. is because whenever the movie does make like a bold choice and you said, oh, they're going with that, then they immediately reverse it. So there's a sense that nothing is actually being accomplished. Yes. Everything is just being undone immediately. Yeah. Yes. And and there's also like, there's also contradictory messaging in like 
in one particular way involving um the the, the like the jedi themselves like itself as a concept mm-hmm. um going into this movie the thing that i read that i was a little wor- that i was worried about was that the the movie it, you know n- tries to undo a lot of the things that last jedi was kind of challenging you know that that made that movie challenging it tries to retcon things and go back on elements and i think that with the force uh, element or the jedi element they kind of do and they don't but it's like mixed messaging i don't know if that's also getting into a spoiler of some kind i don't know if you know what i'm talking about andrew i I'm involving sure. involving who can have who can use the force you know who ha- like does the force belong to the jedi that was like a big point in last jedi yeah that in this movie you know, I feel like that should be something that might you may want to explore a little bit more. And they decide, nah, we're not really going to do that. However, then towards the end, they kind of try to hint at it with another character. I, again, I don't know if I would be getting into spoilers talking you about might that. Want to save off on that. All right, but yeah. that, but that's also another thing that I bring it up because it's part of what makes this. You know, I don't know if I'd call the story convoluted, but it's just character feels more sacrificed for the sake of the plot. The story is convoluted, and I think that goes back to basically the roots of this. The roots of that are in this whole trilogy itself. Mm. The, the, the trouble with this film is that I can I feel like, as I watch these movies, that they're, the plan for all, for all three movies either is being changed a lot or is being written on the fly. Um, to a certain extent, the, the original trilogy did that. I believe there are some things about Return of the Jedi which kind of feel like they're kind to trying to stuff up whole things in there that makes sense. But, you know, Return of the Jedi pulls it off because, you know, it sticks to it, what, like the core of the entire trilogy. But it's like in this one, I'm in this trilogy, like I'm having different... I always... Uh, I, I thought about this like before I saw this movie. It's like I... I'm not sure what this trilogy is about. Yeah. No, I, like I, I, Force Awakens seemed like it was supposed to be sort of like a a signal to fans saying that everything's okay, you can come back after the prequels. Last Jedi seemed to really take a lot of chances, which mm-hmm. I applaud it, which I applaud it for. Like there were well, lots of things about Last Last Jedi that I like. There are a few things that are really weird, and this one doesn't seem to be and I don't know how this is how this film continues anything from the last two films, aside if, from no, the plot. That, well, really. no, well, it, well, it continues the it continues more so the sense that I got in Force Awakens of let's just do the greatest hits. This really doubles down. I feel like on I don't know if I I guess I call it fan service, but that might be too general. This is like, hey, you remember this hit? Let's do this bit. You remember this? You know, let's do this. Remember this from Empire? Hey, you remember that? Remember Return of the Jedi when they did this? Yeah. You remember when they had, you know, I'm endangering the mission. I shouldn't have come. You know, yeah. you know, like it's, you know, if the first, if Force Awakens was almost this kind of parenthetical remake of A New Hope with a little bit of Empire thrown in at spots, 
this is a parenthetical remake of Return of the Jedi. You know what? With some things from Empire, maybe some other little things from New Hope. It just feels like it. 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 It, it, it feels like J.J. Abrams was either either he really feels this way as like I'm I'm a fan and I'm going to show this to you, or he was acquiescing, thinking this is what the fans want. He's dancing. Never listen to the fans ever. <laughs> Because when you give them what they want, they say, that's not what we wanted. We wanted something different. When you don't give them what they want, they say, why don't you give us what what we want? No one ever, never listened to fans. But that's what what I mean. This felt... The the reason why I think that Force Awakens is better than this movie, though, is because at least Force Awakens, it was, was, at, at least in the first half, it was trying to... Here's a new story. Here's some new stakes. We're going to take our time in introducing you to the characters. And, you know, and then eventually you suddenly realize, oh, okay, we have another Death Star. Okay, well, you know, whatever, it's fine. But we have some good action near the end. But in this, it's just, okay, now we need to get to this. Now we need to get to this. Now we need to get to this. And I'm constantly being reminded, um, with a few exceptions, but... I'm constantly having it in my face. Oh yeah, this is what happened here. Here's what happened here. And it's almost like there's almost, if there's any theme to this movie, it's, you know, embrace the resurrection. Kind of. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Literally, even with Palpatine. Yeah. This movie, I feel had like the least emotional impact on me out of any Star Wars film. I just watched it. I was like, yep, um, that's a thing that's happening. Yeah. Well, you haven't seen Solo. That's true. I haven't seen Solo <laughs> yet. But... This is better than Solo. Oh. Not by much, but... It, it's better. It, no, this is better than Rogue One. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Kinda. Uh, he, no, I am the only one who dislikes Rogue One this intensely in this entire group. I don't like Rogue One either. I was kind of alright on Rogue One. Here's the, the thing is, with Rogue One, that was a whole other situation involving its own issues with not maybe developing characters enough in a different way in a more singular effort that was kind of shallow. In this case, I do have the attachment to these characters. I, I, you know, I want, you know, this is in a lot of ways, Ray's movie. Um, I feel like without, I don't think it's a spoiler to say a C-3PO, I feel like is kind of the MVP of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he gets to have a really terrific, uh, I don't know if I even call him an arc, but he gets a lot. He almost embodies like uh, the heart of this movie in some ways, like calling back to, you know, how he's like the act, you know, he's the, he's one of the characters that kicks off a new hope yeah. in a way. Um, the fact that he gets the time that he does is cool. And, but, and then of course, you know, you have Poe and uh, Finn, but I feel like even though the actors are here and they're really trying their best, I think the script lets them down. It's a I different agree. situation than Rogue One, where that was uh, that just seemed like a bit of a troubled production that tried to do the best it could and ultimately came out in the side of okay. This is just this idea. is just more of a this is more of a mess. This feels like it was, and I don't mean like a mess like you know we saw Cats yesterday. Yeah. 
Um, Cats is a different kind of mess. But yeah. I kind of feel that if you have a choice between two, the two movies, you should go see Cats because there are like <laughs> because well, it has cats. Yeah, because it. it has cats in it, and because like there are <laughs> well, there, there of are, a form. Yeah, but there are like. What like a, like eleven, twelve Star Wars movies now? Like you've seen enough Star Wars, you have your choice of stars. There's only one cat, so if you're gonna see something, you get at least a unique experience. Or is this is just oh yeah, more of the same? Hooray! This, I, I'm gonna bring up another movie, which is why I think I had some problems with this in a lot of big ways. Um, earlier this year, and it, this isn't getting exactly in the spoilers. I'm just saying I'm bring this up in a general sense. Avengers Endgame, right? That managed to conclude, you know, that gigantic arc. You know, that was how many movies that were leading At up to 20. that point. You know, and that was like even it was even the second part of a two part, you know, finale. And I feel yeah, like a what any part that managed to stick the landing. It stick the landing. It made it gave every character its due. It really brought to a a nice conclusion, you know, a lot of the characters we were seeing in that, like Tony and Captain America, um, Steve Rogers. your best friend, Tony? (laughs) Tony, Tony. Uh, Yeah, like West Side Story. Yeah, Um, Tony. Hey, Tony, he's running down the block. Hey, how are you you doing? Call him Mr. Stark. Um, No, but that's... But watch it, I... I was, but I was almost wondering watching it, like especially in the third, like I don't know how many acts this movie has, but in the last section, I wonder if Abrams and the Russos saw each other's scripts, and <laughs> like I wonder if Abrams, after he saw Endgame, went behind like a little door at like Disney, went fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Like he, uh, he had that he had a moment like I don't know if you've seen that behind the scenes documentary about the making of Fan Menace. There's this moment where Lucas has just seen like a rough cut of Phantom Menace and he's just sitting there like I might have gone a little too far. <laughs> <laughs> um I wonder if Abrams he was feeling that like at all like cuz it's just it feels like he was trying to save something because originally this movie was going to be directed by someone else too. Right. It was Colin Trevorrow. And then they kicked him off when they realized, Oh, you're the guy that made the book of Henry. (laughs) Although he still has a writing credit here. Well, sure. That explains a lot. I agree with you too. The script to the, the script to this seems to really, I don't know. It's like, it, it really doesn't even seem to reach for any sort of, heights like it, it, it seems like however just above the ground yeah uh you know it's not awful but you just like there are times when i look at the screen and i'm just like hmm, that's you know that's the phrase they're going for that's the way they want to do it there's this whole uh you know it seems like you know with a you would need a little, a lot more work with it, but it's just like, man, it's it's not reaching for anything. It's, yeah. it's it seems like it's just kind of there. Yeah, it, it has a the lot. The actors, I think, are doing their best with. It. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I, I think the performances the, are, are are pretty admirable. They they it's know just... their they know their characters. It's in a funny way. I know that at the time that Return, I know at the time, I think at the time Return of the Jedi came out, it actually also got maligned by some critics for you know, feeling too familiar to New Hope. Um, 
I think time's been a little bit kinder to it. But, yeah. But now, like, but with this, it's... You can't just remake Return of the Jedi, man. Well, I mean, I guess you can, I, you know, in a bizarre got, way. Return of the Jedi got away with, like, the Death Star thing the second time because it was just, because, you know, they kind of made it work. Like, you look yeah. back at it now, and it's like, eh, they couldn't have come up with something better than other than a second Death Star. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they kind of played with it in an interesting way. It's where it's like, all right, this Death Star, we're going to hit it before it's done. And it's like, surprise, it's done. You yeah, know? But, but, but they also, but they raised the stakes about... You know what it what you thought it could do, and but then all of a sudden it does this, yeah. and then that happens. And in yeah, this, at least Return of the Jedi didn't have the gall to try to do the Death Star a third time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's like, oh, I'm not sure if I what I just said makes any sense. No, I. Th- <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and as, again, as we said before, there are a lot of new characters. And they, you know, for example, Carrie Russell is in the movie, and like, I, I don't know what she's doing here. I mean, I love Carrie Russell, but, like, her character feels a bit undercooked. And then, you know, for example, Rose from the last movie. She's, she's completely sidelined. Sidelined completely. After being such a big part of, of uh, Last Jedi. A big part of Last Jedi, but also a big part for Finn. Yeah. There is a scene in this towards the end that runs directly against what happened in Last Jedi. Mm. Uh, I'll talk about it in spoilers, but I found it, even when I was watching it, I found this very weird, where it's just like you have the same two characters in the same exact situation. In Last Jedi, something happened in in, uh, Rise of Skywalker, something completely different happens. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. I have a Carrie Russell specific beef. I guess this is a spoiler, but it doesn't matter. You're so a beef just... wrestler? <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> so, Poe has a pre-existing relationship with this chick, Zori, I think her name is. Zori Bliss. Are we recording? And... <laughs> yes, we are. Okay, so, good. And we <laughs> know that they broke... We know that the relationship ended acrimoniously. And within the space of literally one scene, we go from... Zori and Poe. I'm po, going to shoot you in the face. To we in one scene we go from Zori and Poe hate each other to Zori is willing to give up her one chance to get off her hell planet to give to Poe, and I'm like, WTF? Well, it's also yeah. totally well, but, but it also it it feels like it's suddenly setting up for Poe. Like I guess his one possible conflict that they also drop, which Finn kind of had in the last movie, which was, you know, I can't stay, I can't fight for the resistance, I'm going to leave. And Poe tries to say, like, well, you know, I, I, I need to stay and finish this war, but I don't know, maybe I should leave too. I don't know. Like, but they don't do anything with that. It's very, you know what the word for it is? A lot of the characterization in this movie is shallow. Yeah. Well, I mean, it has to be because they're cramming so much stuff into here. You're introducing new characters left and right. And then it's just like, well, by this time, we should have our characters set. It's the third film in a trilogy. You can add a few new people, but you have to spend some time with them. Yeah, I mean, I know that Harrison Ford complained. Uh, I, I know you, you, know you want to say something, Matt. Nah. I don't know if I was good. Well, well, but, Matt always looks like he wants to say something. <laughs> it's, <a beer. laughs> it's very thoughtful um no but like the 
you know, Harrison Ford complained in like Return of the Jedi that like I don't know what my character's doing here. I don't really have anything to do, but he still made it work for sure. I guess what the movie w- was needing him for. But with this, it's like they for with Finn, like. I, I don't know what his deal is in this movie. There is something between him and Poe where, like, there's some acrimony between them. We never... We, I, they, I they're, they're, well, they're kind, well, they're kind of like a bit... But it's never really addressed. It's just like they're able to come together because they need to, and the thing that they're angry about doesn't seem to be addressed. It's like they have something that sets up and doesn't pay off. Like, there might be... Maybe they cut it out of the movie... Or they maybe didn't write it. Uh, I, I don't know. It was an off-screen lovers' quarrel. Yeah. yeah. See, I like. See, the thing <laughs> is, I like seeing them bicker. I think that they are pretty. You know, they, they play that stuff well. It's almost a little bit like a screwball comedy. For in a way, comedy. yeah. But if you're not sure what they're bickering about, then then it's just like, well, why do they have it? Why are they doing this? What what's what's driving this? And I had no and. I, for a moment, I thought I knew what it was, but then it didn't matter anyway because they never met. I mean, ultimately, the I, the main thrust of the movie is Ray, and yes. that part, I think, more or less is fine. Ray's story raises a lot of interesting but questions. It's Ray's, and implies, and it implies a much more interesting story that I'll talk about in the spoilers. Yeah, no, I absolutely know what you mean. Like. It, there are questions brought up when when, oh when we yeah. learn oh, yeah. Ray's story, and it's just like, well, whoa, what, why didn't we? I'm I, I'm thinking like, why aren't we watching that story over yeah. there? Yeah, so it. I, sorry, Matt. I mean, I it's a pretty movie. Yeah. Oh sure, it. no, it, it obviously like like Force Awakens, they. They have a really good-looking movie. I know that you went, Corey. You rewatched Force Awakens just earlier today, and you commented how beautiful it looks. Yeah, the Force Awakens is a very good movie, and at least the Force Awakens isn't going to win any awards for originality. But at least it's a coherent story. Yeah, yeah. unlike this. Yeah, th- this is just, especially like I said in that first, like. For 30 to 40 minutes it's like here's a thing here's a thing here's a thing and i didn't feel like i was really watching like a proper movie i feel like i was almost watching like a tv show where it's more like procedural a TV show would have been able to take its time yeah that's the thing but you know because jj abrams he, he comes from tv and I think you know, they even plugged in a... Who's that actor from Lost? Dominic Monaghan. Okay, yeah, he pops up in this. Yeah. Um, it's funny that I think of him from Lost, even though he's in Lord of the Rings. Um, well... But that's a whole other... Never mind. Yeah. But, um, but this feels like it... Either it had stuff that was cut out, like this maybe should have been a longer movie... And maybe he got pressure from the studio saying, like, maybe J.J. Abrams originally handed, like, a three-hour cut. And they're like, no, no, two hours and 20 minutes. I don't know. That doesn't seem likely. I mean, a three-hour cut of Star Wars yeah. wouldn't have driven anybody away. No, but I don't know. Maybe Who knows? Maybe they wanted, but they wanted more show times. Uh, no, but you're right, though. Yeah, it doesn't make sense either. So, I don't, it must, so they just didn't have it in the script. They're like, 
Now, again, as I said... I, but they, again, they, like, I, I, I'm of the opposite opinion. Like, they cut so much stuff. If they cut stuff out, and it's like, well, look at how much is left. <laughs> you know? And, yeah, of course, it, but of course, that's not stuff you can cut. It's all story stuff that they're just cramming in. And, it, and you're not spending a lot of time in there. It's it's really it's there's there's just too much stuff in here. Like it's it's it seems no, it doesn't seem unfocused. It just seems like I feel like the movie really it's, it's, it, the movie ultimately really starts emotionally midway through. Kind of in a way because that first half, I mean, they show they're trying to imply a lot of things involving Ray. But all they're doing is repeating the same note. It's like, you know, I feel something. I have a feeling. I I have, you know, she, like, yeah. like every scene, every single scene repeats the same thing. She's just looking. I have concerned face. I have yeah. concerned face. You know what I mean? It's like change, you know, we get it, but. You don't have to be concerned all the time. Be yeah. concerned at certain points. Like, imagine if, like, in Return of the Jedi, you know, Luke, you know, in that Jabba sequence is pretty focused on his mission. He doesn't have a moment where he's like, oh, why didn't you tell me, Father? Yeah, yeah that's safe for later. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, going back to the villains, I don't think this is a spoiler talking about the villains since, like, the trailer already gave it away and we talked about him earlier, that, you know, Palpatine is back. And this is just, like, a crazy out-of-nowhere retcon of the story and as we're saying, as a trilogy end cap, it doesn't really make sense with the the first two movies. Because I mean, we had Snoke, and as I was watching this, the the, original, the last two movies, like, oh yeah, okay, Snoke is like a poor man's Palpatine. But then, since this, you actually get original Palpatine. It would have made sense if J.J. Abrams, who made The Force Awakens, had said, okay, if we're gonna do Palpatine in the end, we don't need to actually have the Snoke guy. Let's just start with like. A resurrected Palpatine as the Snoke First Order leader guy. I mean, and then again, it's just like it doesn't seem he, like there was much of a plan. No, it doesn't. Like Snoke was, Snoke was there. He was doing. He was like kind of just like he was kind of in the background of Force Awakens. He took center stage in in Last Jedi, Jedi, and they killed him. Yeah, and I and at that moment, I was just like, well, what? What are they possibly going to do? They brought him out. And we learn nothing about him, where he comes from. We learn, I, I guess, where he comes from now. But it's just like, it, it, we learn that he wasn't much. See, at least, see, that's almost what I liked in Last Jedi, yeah. is that he's like, almost like paralleling Kylo, how he's trying to be like imposter Darth Vader. Snoke is like imposter Palpatine. Right. Where he has a lot of power, but ultimately he can be taken down by his own pupil very easily. But by then, just bringing back Palpatine, it erases all like the Kylo progression. But it does Kylo should be like the main nemesis now on his own, standing yes. on his own feet. Yeah, and and the funny thing is, is without getting into too again, not too many spoilers, I would be on board with having the Emperor just because I love Ian McDermott's performance as Palpatine. You know, he's one of my favorite actors in the series. He was like easily the best thing about the prequels. One of them, yeah. Yeah, he was like a highlight. But they also, I feel like the script kind of lets him down, too. Like, they don't, they, they kind of make him kind of, you know, one note in a certain way. And I know you could say that he is very basic in Return of the Jedi, but he had, there was certain, there was a motivational, there was a thing that stood out with him in he that was story. He a legitimate threat in that movie. He was a legitimate threat, yeah. It's something you realize, oh, 
we have a new villain in this story, and he is scary and someone who they built up to. He is mentioned briefly in in A New Hope. Yeah, he uh, makes an appearance in the communication in Empire, and then he just arrives in Return yeah. of the Jedi. He's this shadowy in... figure we've known about and gradually learned more about, and then when he arrives, you he he's he's so much worse than you could have imagined. Yeah. Even when he's just sitting in a chair and just talking to you. Yeah. And in this and, one, you know, in this one, it's like, he doesn't do a great deal. No, no, he doesn't. He's just kind of supposed to be like the ominous, big, bad presence. And, you know, by the end, I was, I kind of laughed at like, I guess it was supposed to be a serious moment, but I was kind of laughing at like one thing he did because I was like, okay, he's doing this now. Yeah. And it, I don't know. Like, do you feel that way at all about the villains, Corey? I thought there was diminishing returns with Palpatine over the course of the film. Yeah, my I wasn't automatically opposed to it, but and I certainly liked Palpatine in the in Return of the Jedi. I thought Palpatine was one of the few redeeming factors of the prequels, but. No, nah, this just wasn't it. No, no, it, it almost it it felt like a almost like a bad fan film. Yeah, in a couple in like his scenes. I wouldn't go that far. No, well, maybe not bad isn't the word I'm looking for, but it felt like it, it it felt like somebody writing a you know like a possible fanfic of well, what if he didn't actually you know die by being thrown down into that, you know, crevice in the Death Star that explodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how did they, did they explain how they got him out? Nope. It's like, and I get that in this series, you know if you don't, if you don't see a body, clearly they live. That happened with Darth Maul for some reason, but. You know, you know what they also never explained? How Luke's lightsaber gets Back to some, how they get Luke's lightsaber from the first two movies. Huh. It, well, that's, I mean, that's a minor, I feel like that's a slightly minor point. Also, wasn't that destroyed in... Didn't he, in didn't this, he throw it over his shoulder? No, I mean, like, even then, wasn't it destroyed in that throne room scene with Kylo Ren and Rey in Last Jedi? Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And suddenly it's back again in this movie? Oh, I, yeah, is, uh, is it a different one? Is it one that we haven't known about? They never say. Well, I know it's not a big deal. It was ma- it was made by Duke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the green lightsaber that he made? He had it in flashbacks in the Force in in Last Jedi, yeah, but it? it's like they never say. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a well, I, to, yeah, huh? Nothing's ever really gone. <laughs> no one's ever really gone. There, I have in my in my head this. Uh, that's a big spoiler. Um, you know the the. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Why don't you guys just get the spoiler? I think we ahead. should. I feel like you've yeah. been dancing around. We've okay. been dancing around it. All right. So All let right. me just say, just like quick review. Okay. It's not terrible. It's certainly not great. You can spend your time in worse ways. So if you want to go see it, go see it, and then you'll probably enjoy it for what it is. If you are, I guess if you're one of those people that was, 
really down on Last Jedi, maybe you'll you might find some things for it. Correction. Yeah, but but ultimately, it's it's course correction that's unnecessary. It feels like course correction for something that didn't need to be corrected. Because I'm sorry, Last Jedi I think is a great movie. Last Jedi for life. Yeah, like I would even I would go that far. I I think that reaches the actual operatic heights that you know someone like Irvin Kershner got to in Empire. Like that he just found a way to synthesize that story in a certain way. Um, and it's not like Last Jedi is a perfect movie, but it's no. like it has, but it had a lot more going on with the characters. Which ultimately, if you don't care about the characters, then I'm just seeing action, and that then we go back to the the the, the, the Rogue One issue. Yeah. Matt. Yeah. So I mean, Ray does some cool stuff with the Force, but the, otherwise, I was just watching this with no real investment in anything that was going on, which is really not like how I should be seeing a film. I guess. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a disappointment, and. Uh, you know, like just certain, you know, certain ways that characters die or don't die is uh, also like they try to throw things at you. Yeah. One thing in particular we'll get in the spoilers that I know disappointed you, Corey. Yes. So can I do a very quick bullet point review? Yeah. Yeah, please. So I feel like you were totally right. C-3PO was delightful in this movie. I feel like... Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver turned in very strong performances of very underwritten characters. Most of the movie is repetitive, muddled, and boring. And because it jumps from scene to scene and locale to locale and character to character so quickly, nothing gets a time to breathe, nothing gets time to sink in. Matt, you totally nailed it when you said that the movie's constantly undoing itself. It's constantly saying, look what we're doing. Oh, wait, we're not doing that. And when the movie was over, I said to Jack, I feel bad cracking on a movie that's trying so hard to make me like it. And I feel like there's this real aura of, like, flop, sweat, desperation <laughs> it's, it's like that if you, hangs over the movie. To- and- to make I don't want to, to be mean. To make a sex metaphor, it's like if if, <laughs> if you have you know Ryan Johnson, someone who's like, man, I'm confident, I'm ready to do this. You know, and he you know pulls an all nighter, and you know, like at the end, you see the girl with the cigarette, you know, just smooth out of her mouth. J.J. Abrams comes in and jackhammers, and you know, just you know, doesn't do it right and then try and then maybe loses it and then tries to get it back and <laughs> and then by the end of it it's like a little dribble. <laughs> Ryan Johnson smooth like Lando. <laughs> <laughs> he, Ryan Johnson truly belongs in the city of clouds. So I feel bad cracking on this movie because again, I think it's coming from this place of desperate eagerness to be liked. But it's just a pastiche, and it doesn't earn anything on its own. It's just not good. Yeah. And I think, Andrew, you really nailed it, too, and you said that, what is this really about? Yeah. So I was pretty dissatisfied. It's, it's, it's about the friends that we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, so let's get into the spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie or you don't want to be spoiled, uh, please stop now. Otherwise, you can continue on. 
Hey, guys, we're going back to the battle on planet Endor. Viper Scout reports, he's lost the boat. Our troops report to base. Yeah, glider tech, kick the dirt. Our furry friends are great allies, Leia. Accessories and action figures all sold separately. Man, the catapult wicked fire. The bunkers hit bad. Let's blow the force shield. We did it. The Empire's finished this time. Speeder biking, what combat glider, assault catapult, and action figures sold separately. Only from Kenner Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. <laughs> If we're in the spoiler zone, why couldn't they have killed Chewbacca for real? <laughs> I why? keep saying the time to have killed Chewbacca was doing The Force Awakens. Now it'll never happen. You thought they should have killed Chewbacca instead of Harrison uh, Han Solo? Yes, I think that would have made more sense. The time to kill Chewbacca would have been in A New Hope, but um, <laughs> see, I I thought for I thought for a moment that that was for real, and I actually was like. <gasps> Like, that would have been, like, a really dramatic moment if they played it, you know, it would have for been a real. cheap death. Yeah, but it would have been, like, interesting to have Ray, like, the pull toward the dark side, have that be based on something that she did that she can't take back. Instead yeah. of just like, oh, you know, you might be related to Palpatine. Oh, no, I should gotta be a sis now. Like, no, that doesn't mean anything. You can do what you want with your life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about that too. Ray is the granddaughter of Emperor Palpatine. Yes. Okay. Because Fine. because Fine. they wanted to have their cake and eat it too. She quote comes from nothing, which means technically her parents were junk traders, except that Daddy was a bastard in a basket. <laughs> and so that, but again, there's the there's the issue, where it's like. <laughs> Again, this is kind of the film again, going back and trying to undo some things about last, uh, last Jedi. Yeah, well, the, the the main idea that hey, here we have a hero who is not like some chosen person that's descended from you know a line of you know lineage. She's just a person. You know, she's just a person. Um, right. And now here's the deal. What we missed out on is the story of who did Emperor Palpatine father a son? <laughs> how did that son and his oh, wife God. try to Cor- flee from them? And how did Emperor Palpatine try to get his granddaughter back? Because that's the thing. It's like, who would have married Emperor Palpatine? Well, when did this happen? Well, no. The, the, I would assume that... The backstory that we don't see is that, again, you got to remember, you know, Palpatine was a senator and then a chancellor. You know, politicians have shame babies all the time. Yeah, maybe, but I mean... I mean, that would have been well, interesting. Well, that's the thing. We don't know. It's like it raises also what intriguing if, options. Corey, who was this what, guy? What if, Pal- was- what if Palpatine was secretly, like, the villain in Don't Breathe? <laughs> and he and the, there's this horror movie Don't right, Breathe right. and spoiler if you haven't seen Don't Breathe it came out a few years ago there's a whole thing where the he villain in that in the walls well no, no not I that he's breathe. he's a blind basically almost like a marine Zatoichi in this house and he keeps like a woman locked up in his basement who he has knocked up with his seed and he keeps like his sperm around in like 
like it was almost like a tub, and he just uses like syringes and. That's not how sperm works. And sperm dies. No, I, yeah. I know, but but no, it is a good question. Like we're getting that a little off topic. It, it, but, it's, yeah. You know what it is? They want to have the effect, of, and this is why I mentioned Star Wars Greatest Hits. They want they want to have that scene where Kylo tells Rey, you know, her her lineage. You know, here's the big reveal that you didn't know about. Which again, Empire did that, um, but it, but again, it doesn't feel earned. It feels very it, like you want to have the big operatic twist effect, but there, but it raises more questions than it answers. Yeah, that's like who is the son that Palpatine had? Was it like the prince of the Empire? Was it just like again some bastard? Like how did he? How did this son know? Why did this son leave? And how did he know that? that he was Palpatine's son how did he know that he was looking for his granddaughter that was is the story that should like all the time and money spent on making Rogue One should have been spent making that movie yeah it would have been fine you could have had the whole thing you you could have done all this and it would have been fine but if you had filled us in on those details it would have been so much more compelling and and it would have and I'm not talking about like possibilities or anything it's just like well there was something that was very intriguing. Yeah, and now we just kind of got to make it up for ourselves. But that, but then the other problem until that, the prequel comes along, forget it. No, no. Okay. Well, you know what they're going to do is that the my understanding is you know there's a whole expanded universe or whatever. Like there, there's probably a book called like Emperor Palpatine fucks. <laughs> <laughs> this 2019 is such a weird year. It's a year <laughs> where I find out. Yoda fucks and Palpatine fucks. We know that Yodas have babies and Palpatine had like an O face <laughs> at one time. And it wasn't just from being evil. It was I'm sorry. I know I'm going off. But like going back to the movie though, it's the problem is is that they introduced this. It's ha- halfway through the movie and almost halfway through. And now it's supposed to, I think, set up the idea that, you know, she's, you know, she's, you know, she has inside of her the ultimate evil. It's not just, you know, I'm the grandson of Darth Vader. You know, I am the granddaughter of the ultimate evil. How am I going to wrestle with that evil inside of me? And I, I, the movie, I think, tried to ultimately tie it in by having this whole, you know, you're not just one Jedi. You have all the Jedi in you. And it, but that's why I meant before when I said mixed messaging, because there's a point where Ghost Luke talks to Rey and says, you know, you, you got to really stay focused because you might be the last Jedi to have the Force or something like that. I, am I kind of phrasing that correctly? Yeah, just, just go. I feel like that was a very important moment, which, again, was... But it seemed to also kind of try to undo how Luke talked in Last Jedi. Later on in the movie, in, the, in like the big... In the climactic thing... They suddenly suggest that Finn has, I guess, the Force. And that's something else that they just throw in there that, okay, so you're bringing, so you actually are saying, okay, a lot of people can have the Force. But which is it? Is it only Jedi can have the Force, or can anybody have the Force? It's both. 
like yeah you can't you can't do it both ways that's that's what i meant like by the mixed messaging like stick with something like you know and because it was a very inspiring message i think at the end of last jedi that final moment where you realize all right you know maybe this little kid who picks up a broom you know he might not be a jedi but you know they have anybody can have the force the force does not belong to the jedi no this kind of makes it seem like the Jedi really have the force and everyone else. Jack, there was no plan. No, I, I know. I'm, I, I'm I trying to give the movie the benefit of the doubt. It's a, no, there's no plan. It's, it's chaos. It is, more or less. <laughs> they have a rough um, outline, but it's not detailed enough. So they, they keep going oh, back on everything they say. Okay. Now, to bring up another character uh, who I thought, I don't know if she got underserviced or why she, I, got, I know why they had to do it with her, but Leia. Yeah. yeah, in this movie, I was I couldn't and never not be aware of the fact that you know we've lost Carrie Fisher now for a few years. She obviously didn't film scenes oh, we've lost for this for movie. More than a few years, yeah, she's not coming back ever. No, I know. <laughs> what I mean to say is she finished her work on Last Jedi before she died. Yeah. So the work that that she's doing in this movie is like. It's a much better version of... I know neither of you guys saw The Sopranos, but on this show, on The Sopranos, the main character, Tony <laughs> Soprano... I'm going off on a tangent for a second. Corey knows what I'm talking about. On the main on the show, The Sopranos, for the, Tony had a character, his mother, uh, played by an actress. End of the second season, the, uh, the mother died. Um... But the creator decided, okay, I, I want to bring those some closure. I'm going to have one last scene between the two of them before I say she died off screen. And it was a very horrifying scene where using 2001, you know, the year 2001 special effects, they tried to digitally put her face saying various lines from other movies, uh, from other episodes. Um it was very ghoulish because they were clearly cobbling together a performance that felt very inauthentic. Horrible. I felt like now, obviously the, in this one, they don't give her a lot to do, but I knew at some point, okay, well they're going to, she's going to have to die. Um, you know, and how they, how her character goes out actually is, I guess it was okay. I don't know if you had anything. I, about I wish. I thought it was weird. It was like Natalie Portman dying of oh, a broken heart in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Oh wait, you said you wish I they wish recast they it. Just recast the part because do you the think, whole thing do you think was the... hanging over. The whole thing was hanging over this film even worse than it was hanging over the Last Jedi. We knew Carrie Fisher died. All of her work on Last Jedi had been done. So there was this sort of ghastly game of will Carrie Fisher die in this scene. Yeah. And it's just like, and as an audience member, it's like, it's an extra, it's, it's an, it's a, it's a meta film thing where it's just like knowing that this actor is dead, what's going to happen to them in this scene. And if you you could have just removed that from us, if you just recast it with somebody else and we wouldn't have have had to have thought of it and you wouldn't have been, and your hands wouldn't have been tied. Well, no, but then Andrew, then you would have had to deal with the wrath of like, Never give fans what they want. <laughs> well, no, the point and is... it doesn't make any sense. Like, how long are we going to hold this uh, hold this grip over people's likenesses where it's just like, oh, we got to 
We got CGI Carrie Fisher's face in in Rogue One. We got to cobble something together for this movie. We got to take care of this. It's like, no, just get another actress, please. For God's sake, get somebody. You don't even have to have her in the film. Say she's off doing something else. Say she's somewhere else. I don't know. Just do, do something else besides this. Because this whole thing where you're using dead actors. It was crap. More or less, yeah. But ultimately, like I get why they tried to it's do it, just but super they super awkward, and it has nothing to do with performance or or special effects. It just has to do with the fact that you you have this thing that's getting in your brain when you should be enjoying the film. Yes, uh, you know, it, it, it's starting to bug me a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's troubling. It feels like we're going like and I talked about this when we saw Rogue One. I feel like we're going down a dark path and this is realizing that even further. Yeah. You know, and especially cuz she it's one thing with, you know, like Pierre Cushing had been dead for, you know, a number of years and that was, you know, it was ghoulish in a different way. That they, you know, they should have just recast him but you know also, but at least there it was only for like one scene. Uh, in this, though, she's in it for a good, like, ten minutes. Yeah. And it's just... And she does, She didn't need to be there. Because she doesn't accomplish anything. No, no, well, no, no, no. She, she doesn't accomplish much in the... Well, you uh, could, the last year, I, I could see the argument that she communicates with her son before she goes. Aw, is that touching? But again, that also doesn't feel like it's... A genuine thing. Why also, because 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 the movie kind of the, the movie time. stops to tell us what to feel. Like Maz Kanaka, who also I'm probably mispronouncing her name. Uh, Katak Kanaka. You're fine. Yeah, Lupita Her character, who also has been kind of underserved in these movies, um, she actually stopped. Like she, we see Leia turn around and she says, "She has to do something very important now." <laughs> <laughs> It, it, so that was very disappointing, and we talked before about shuffling in characters that you know don't do that much. I mean, Lando is basically here for fan service. Nah. I mean, I like seeing Billy D. Williams. You know, it's cool that he got to do this. You know, he's probably gonna, you know, you know, I don't know how many movies he has left in him, but uh, I guess that was fine. But um, oh God, and the. Uh, and and they're just I feel like the whole idea also just I don't I didn't really feel much suspense about the whole question of um there you know we're gonna get people to come help us you there's know not, we're, there's not much suspense in this one no there's not because I know okay at some point everybody's gonna come together to destroy all these star destroyers that. That's the other, but that's the other thing when we talk about the familiar and how crap this is. When you earlier said this is the third, they didn't try to do it a third time right. with the Death Star thing. Now it's like they decide though. Okay, well we don't we can't do the Death Star again. Let's just have like all the Star Destroyers can literally destroy planets now. I don't think that was bad. I think that was at least a decent way to raise the stakes because it is. You have an emperor who's been hiding this whole time, building this fleet, and it's been some time since then. There probably is a way to sort of build that sort of Death Star technology on a smaller scale, and I, I, I don't, I don't mind that so much. But it's just like you know, just imagine how horrifying that is. It's just like he's going to reestablish this whole thing, and he'll just destroy planets wholesale. 
Uh, you know, but you, but you could have introduced that earlier. They introduced that a little too like late into the movie. I feel like. And like, yeah. I think that oh, the threat is always the Empire is going to blow up another planet. Is like that's always the threat. So then you see, okay, we have a gazillion of these star destroyers that can destroy planets. So you know they're not going to actually unleash them because it's but, too much like firepower that they can't undo, and they're not going to be going to pull the trigger and say, yeah, the Empire went and like blew up half the galaxy. They're not going to. Well, no. Well, in this when this movie, they tried to. I think what they tried to do is make it almost apocalyptic. Yeah, but like you know, we, we will destroy everything. But this you know time. they're not going to have like the. Bulk to actually go through with it and have like a crazy apocalyptic downer ending crazy catastrophe like destroying everything kind of ending that well, I mean that's out. the secret to all sorts of movies you know that the bad thing isn't going to happen but, it's, just the way but, but I think the, but the problem is I think that it speaks to the kind of cluttered nature of this movie that I should have felt that more as a threat and I didn't like I, I, I get what you're saying Andrew that it is a clever idea to maybe try raise the stakes but it didn't Feel organic. Right. I just, I think it just works. Okay, and I, I got it. it's the conservation of ninjutsu principle. Where it's, <laughs> okay. you know, one ninja is a super threat, but you yes. get a dozen ninjas and they're all cannon fodder. Right. So you know, when you have one Death Star, that's really scary threat. If you have like a whole fleet of Death Star capable Star Destroyers. They're just like a waste because they're not going to do anything. There was yeah. one time. There was one time in the Star Wars movies when a planet was destroyed, and I felt something, and it was Alderaan because it meant something <laughs> to Princess Leia. Yeah. Uh, I, you don't feel much for those planets that are destroyed in, in the Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. No, I nobody in the film is from there. We never spend any time there. Yeah. You know, it's it's oh, um. Another thing to bring up, I feel like the movie had a slight fake out that I was annoyed by. And I, know, I was annoyed on your behalf, Corey, because I don't know if you were in, hoping for this. They mentioned, you know, we're going to go to Endor. Uh, I no, think. they went to a planet in the Endor system. Same thing. I mean, it's That's like not the same thing. But did they have, did they have a different name? No. But, but my, my point, what, what I was thinking, though, was, okay, well, all right. You know, even though it's familiar, it'll be nice to see some Ewoks again. And we didn't see Ewoks. We did Ewoks. see the Ewoks. We, we got, see, we got tiny, a little... Tiny, tiny dollop of Ewok. Yeah. So I could have used a little bit more cuteness in this. I agree with you, Corey. Having more cuteness never hurts. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and also, let's talk about the Klingon dagger that has the Sith inscription to find the one Sith locator doohickey, which is always aligned perfectly with where it is. Oh, that was ridiculous. I, I kind of laughed when that happened. Yeah. That was there's okay. A, there, no, that, that was absurd. That was, yeah, there's a moment where Ray has this dagger, and she's looking at the wreckage of the second Death Star on this planet and manages to line up <laughs> the path just so. And, oh, that is such plot contrivance stuff. Yeah, it's and, okay. And well, I mean, it gets the job done, but it's also just... It's no worse than... Remember Aquaman? Yes. Remember the part where Aquaman has that bottle and he puts it in the hand of the statue and yes. it shows him which way he has to go? Yeah. You but never took issue with that. Aquaman, though, was... Be like... Aquaman, though, was, like, a lot 
pulpier than this is trying to be. A Star Wars should not aspire to, oh, if we can only be as good as Aquaman. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm saying is that's not the problem. It's a a minor point, but I get what you're saying. The problem is that the knife has too much stuff crammed into it. Not only is it the knife that was used to kill Ray's parents, also the knife that happens to say exactly where the Sith transponder is, and it's also the knife that's written in Sith that C-3PO is not allowed to translate to them without having brain surgery, and it's also the knife that has a telescoping armament that comes out that will align perfectly with the current location of the Sith transponder. I was almost okay with it until she pulls out the last part. That's where it got a little too far. Like, up until then, I was still like, okay, this is just a MacGuffin, it's a device. That last little part made me laugh out loud. A little bit, but again, it's it's not a major part problem with the movie, it, but it is indicative of you know trying to solve things in a certain way. Um, Corey, um, I want to ask you something. Do you think that the, the how they bring in resurrection at the end of this is that what you think? Like when Matt Singer wrote that review. That's what he was talking about with uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. Well, yeah, I was going to say, it's nice that they cure that. Well, it's not as bad as Into Darkness, because Star Trek Into Darkness, they just costlessly cure death and then totally drop it as a plot point. At least in this movie, there's some kind of cost for resurrecting. But no, I don't like... I don't like, mm-hmm. la- like last-minute, half-assed resurrection subplots. And I don't, they also, I think they failed at that scene because they didn't make it seem like it was hard for Ray to dispatch everyone. So it was weird. That- well, that's the thing that I meant about comparing it to Endgame. Because you have a literal moment where Ray kind of gets back up the energy. She and kylo got like the life force sucked out of him it turns for a minute into the movie life force yeah if any of you have seen life force before no, right? well you've seen the welcome to the basement yeah. so you know what i'm talking about like palpatine does a life force move yeah. to become like back to unlimited power palpatine and ray finally gets the energy back up because she hears all the Jedi voices and there's this moment that literally feels like i was re-watching the end of Endgame. you know i am inevitable Oh, it's not working. I am Iron Man. <laughs> that happens in this. Because he's like, you know, I am the Sith. I am all the Jedi. Yeah. I'm like, is this just, is this movie, is this movies now? Are like all movies going to do this? Yeah, so I, I didn't like the resurrection. And I felt like they didn't do enough to build up the idea that Ray was on the precipice of death in this battle because I didn't get that at all. Yeah. Did any of you get the idea that? Well, I mean, that's well. She had low energy. I mean, I can kind yeah, of get it. Kylo Ren was able to climb back up a cliff after he got his life force. Yeah, I, that that's a something. That's a question that's because that, he was a man. Well, <laughs> Ray is consistently stronger than Kylo Ren throughout the entire series from the Force Awakens till now. So when 
she dies at the end, I was like, wow, you didn't build this up at all. Yeah. And I'm talking about, I need to talk about Kylo Ren for a second. Cause I feel like he was the one who was kind of, he, he kind of got almost like a game of Thrones level season eight treatment. <laughs> in this movie exactly. you know what i mean it's like you had this character who got built up so well in the previous two movies especially in last jedi there was this whole thing between him and ray which they still have a bit of in this movie where they can talk to each other through like some type of force telekinesis um but his redemption just kind of happens yeah and that just it, it was that was very disappointing to me, you know, because, again, Adam Driver is trying so much with this with this role. He's really delivering all everything that's asked of him. And yet it it's like, why, why should he like why all of a sudden is he is he he's just redeemed because, oh, hey, Ray saved me from being, you know, after she stabbed me with the lightsaber. Maybe I should be good now? Well, and his mother died. And and his ghost dad told him to throw his lightsaber away. Yeah, yeah. Han Solo makes an appearance in this, too. But not as a ghost. He's just a memory. That That's also something that felt a little bit like... Uh... Yeah, it didn't work. They didn't sell it. No, it's like you're going to bring back Harrison Ford one last time in this series... Like, even after we thought he was gone, you better make it really good. And that also felt weak. I feel like I have a lot more complaints about this movie than I have likes. I mean, I I should say that, again, there are some things I do like. I actually like that whole bat, like, fight between the two of them on the, uh, on that, I don't know what you call it, that wreckage. I thought that was very well, like, that was a scene I felt, actually, because I was invested in those characters. Uh, you were kind of exhausted by that? I like uh, it, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not tired of lightsaber fights. I'm just kind of tired of fights where I'm, where it's, I don't feel like but at least, anything that, like, But no, not, but at least, no, in that, in that case, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Because Ray had, was very raw emotionally. You know, Kylo is out to like really challenge her, and you know maybe you know try to get her the dark side. You know, you probably you know it probably won't happen, but that felt like the moment in the movie that had the most stakes to me. Not the climax, that one scene, and I give them credit for that. But it's again, just because you have good moments doesn't make a good movie. Correct. So, but you know, it's all it's it's about family. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. I Two think we're running before it. we get to, done. Yes. What was Poe and Finn's deal with each other? Why were they so angry with each other? Well, I think was they... it romantic rivalry over Ray? <sighs> Who knows? I don't know because that's what it seems like they talk about a lot. They seem to talk about <sighs> Ray a lot. But then at the end, they all hug each other, and it seems like they're going to be like a polyamory endgame. They're all just going to like do each Maybe. other together. OT3, like, sorry. <laughs> and, you know, Finn, he, he's like, as as he and Ray and everybody else is sinking into that sand, he's like, I never told you blank, blank, blank. And he never uh, says, and it's like, what is it? And then they never, and they never bring it up again. That that shows like J.J. Abrams like a big problem with him, where he loves to tease things out, and 
Again, that might work. This in was TV. his chance. It doesn't work here. No, but it doesn't work in another film. I know, but that's what I mean. He, te- but he teases it out, and then the these the the conclusion to it isn't satisfying. And also, they throw in another new character there with what was her name? Jaina. Jaina, right? And I, I, I wish I knew the actress. Like she, Naomi Aki. Is that her name? Yeah. Okay, I, I just I didn't recognize her. She, like, she pops up in this, and suddenly, oh, now we have this another a character who represents someone who also defected from the the first order, which is you know an interesting point that is glossed over for the sake of action. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that scene where Finn is on the star the star destroyer, and he's clearly going to sacrifice himself to, to destroy this this transmitter thing. He's talking to Rose and he's saying, ah, I'm going to stay here. Get on the show. And then you think about Last Jedi where it's like he's like, I'm going to fly straight into this super weapon and destroy it. Rose crashes into him to stop him. Yeah. And it's the same exact decision and the same exact kind of scene, but yeah. two different outcomes. Yeah, and in Last Jedi, it felt more earned because I still don't understand that scene. And I, I think I what I get from that is he's finally come to the point in that sto- in that story, which is you know again following from Force Awakens, where he was basically ready to not be a part of the uh, resistance. He was just re- you know he he only really cared about Rey, but he didn't want to be part of that. That was him fully committing to like. No, I am really here no, now I for the resistance. That. I get, that made sense. He was going to fly into that thing and destroy the weapon to save everybody. Why does Rose stop him? R- well, because he's doing a really dumb thing and sometimes... No, he's not. He's saving everybody. She's she, destroying she that. Him. That's it? Yeah, it's because she loves him. And then they don't do anything with it in this movie. Yeah. Well, because again, in The Force Awakens, it's Finn and Rey... But since Finn and Rey aren't really together in The Last Jedi, they're not in the same geographic location, that thread is kind of dropped. In this movie, he picks it up again straight from but, Force and, but that And again, it speaks to the main problem where characters are deserved. You know, I think Finn, you know, what was his arc in this movie? He didn't really have an arc at all. He didn't have any direction. He didn't have something. The only thing about that, that he has is he's just, he's at odds with Poe until he's not. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it that's why I'm, I, I think that points to what I said earlier, that this feels almost more like a episodic TV show instead Where of a movie. Nothing is resolved. Nothing is resolved. They bring up these points and I'm sorry. We're not. Yeah. As you said, we're not getting another movie. Uh, you you got to cut that crap out. Like you got to, you know, wrap things up, wrap it up clock. You know, you, this movie, this needed like, uh, I know we're going a little long, but I wanted to wrap this up with, uh, I think you told me this story, Corey, in uh, the season seven of Buffy, how Joss Whedon kind of came into like this writer's room and they had all these plans and he just went in like slash like everything. It's like, no, you have this time left. You wrap things up now. Yeah, he's because yeah, there was when there was five episodes left of Buffy, and, and they he, wanted to cram in more stuff. Yeah, and they were gonna keep introducing new things, and apparently Joss Whedon yeah walked up to their whiteboard and was like, "No, you have five episodes left. 
get rid of all of it. Yeah, and it, it, it's like ultimately they he realizes at the end he's almost like a kid who has to finish up his book report in like an hour before school starts. Now that I'm reflecting on it, I feel like Finn's character is really underserved by the entire trilogy. Yeah. I'm really... The whole idea of a defecting stormtrooper is something that the tr- that the entire trilogy doesn't explore at all. He's There's only kind of useful scenes. to explain things about the First Order and say how you can get around them. Yeah, but I feel like his character was underserved by the entire trilogy. I agree. Back on it. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a shame. You heard it here first. Worst Star Wars movie. Is th- this is not? I, worse. No, I don't think it's the worst. No. No, no, it's no. not worse than Attack of the Clones. It's not worse than Rogue One. No, what? It's better. They're they're, than they're, Rogue. they're they're flawed in different ways in different contexts. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, final thoughts, because uh, I don't know what else I'm gonna have to say about this. Uh, you know, because it's it's just sad that you know we're now at the final part of this saga. And it's meant a lot to film history. And, you know, Andrew, we've talked about the movies since, you know, going way years back yeah. on this podcast. And, you know, we even read the making of books and talked about the productions. And it's just now we're at the end. And it's like, let me let me let me let me give you guys some uh, some words of wisdom before okay. I leave. Please. You take the things that matter to you. Mm-hmm. If all those Star Wars movies, the last three, don't mean anything to you, then they're nothing. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You have what's good, you take that, and you take those important things, and that's what Star Wars is. Because Star Wars isn't going to be great forever. Because nothing is great forever. Right. And eventually things decline, and then sometimes they get better. Sure. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. For God's sake, we probably are going to have films of Star Wars for the rest of human history. And I, no, I, I am I am looking forward that, to however long or short human history is. I look but, forward. I look forward to it. To, like to in a weird way, I look more forward to the next series because maybe they will figure out. Let's leave some filmmakers alone. You know, try maybe follow the Lucas model. Maybe where, they'll have a plan. <laughs> and maybe they'll stop listening to fans. Maybe they'll. If you do those well, two things, I think you'll be okay, guys. Well, well yeah, I know but, you listen to the podcast, Star Wars makers. Well, well, it's all. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we get all your mail. Um, <laughs> we don't read it all, but we get it. Um, but it's also just the fact that I, I feel like this movie, even more than the other two, feels like it was probably in some part dictated by corporate ideas of like we need to have this in here and this in here i don't know that whatever it it feels like a film made by committee yeah but well and maybe jj abrams yoda, is so a one-man committee else i've got baby yoda i'm good yeah oh that's the one last thing i did want to mention i thought it was kind of interesting that um because i know neither of you watched the mandalorian but in the episode that aired this week like the day before this movie came out I feel like I wonder if Abrams and Favreau were kind of coordinating with each other because they introduce in this episode the the idea that Yoda can like heal people like little baby Yoda. So like when I saw this movie and saw that Ray could like heal wounds, I actually was like, oh, okay. She's not just a Palpatine. She's a Yoda. Yeah. 
I guess. So wait, what if Palpatine's wife was Yaddle? Yeah. Wait, who's Yaddle? Yaddle is the girl Yoda on the Jedi Council. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've just described a steamy romance novel from the story. <laughs> no. A touring affair that dare not speak its name. Zena was bold enough to do interspecies love. Why couldn't Star Wars do it? Yeah. In Xena, there was this Amazon chick who got together with a centaur and birthed a centaur baby. Now that's progress. All right. I think that we've, we've, we found the note to leave this <laughs> Yeah, right. I think on that note, <laughs> we, should, yeah. we should get out of here. Yeah. All right, guys. So if you've seen the movie, please let us know. Wagesofcinema, gmail.com. Matt, where can we be found? You can... Who, uh, find me at mattdecatania.wordpress.com Yep, and you can find Corey here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Alright, so uh, thank you for you listening. You can find Corey at the Winter Garden Theater. <laughs> <laughs> Where Cats isn't returning, but hey, why not? Why wait? Um, yeah, uh, so thank you for listening. And by the way, um, on SoundCloud, we I have a playlist of all of our Star Wars episodes. So I'll add this to the playlist. If you want to go back, you can listen to all of our episodes that we've done over time because we have full reviews of uh, Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi. We have the the after the drive-in experience of Solo that Corey and I had and all good stuff. All right. Until next time and have a Merry Christmas and happy Hanukkah and new year, etc. I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. I'm Death Star Matt. I'm Wifely Duty Corey. And the wages of cinema is pew, 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 Don't worry, Luke. No one's ever really gone. And don't worry, Luke. No one's ever really gone. You know, no one's ever really gone. Oh, how sad. No one's ever really gone. 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 Ow!